Hi, it's Ophira. So Ask Me Another is going on the road again, and this time we are heading west to San Francisco's Sketchfest. That is a huge comedy festival, just chock full of amazing, really funny people. So for tickets and information, just head over to sfsketchfest.com, and we are also looking for contestants. Why not throw your hat in the ring? Just send us an email to askmeanother at npr.org, and make sure you put SF in the subject line. We hope to see you there. From NPR and WNYC, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, this is Ask Me Another. All right. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for the next hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. And coming up, we'll play a few rounds with our very important puzzler, author of Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert. But to kick things off, let's welcome our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska, and our one-man house band, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Hey. Hello, everybody. Now, our first game is called Italian Ices. Jonathan, I know that we've, we've never really talked about this before on stage or otherwise, but um, do you speak Italian? I actually do speak Italian. I took uh, Italian for many years in college. So. Oh, really? And what college did you go to? I uh, don't remember talking about Yale. this. Yale. It's an Ivy League, actually. Oh. So, yeah, I speak Italian pretty well, as you might imagine. Well, I, I wonder if our contestants speak Italian. Let's find out and welcome our contestants, Andrew Cavanaugh and Sean Connolly. <laughs> Sean, Andrew, do either of you speak Italian? I do not. Does Latin count? <laughs> Latin could count for something in a different game. Um, it's the first time it has. <laughs> have you ever had an Italian ice? I have. Yeah, what'd you think? That I enjoy. Yeah, it's good, right? Okay, you're going to be in perfect shape. Andrew, do you speak uh, Italian? I, unpo. Oh, wow. It's, that uh, means a three, little, three right? Three semesters, and I have about one sentence left, so <laughs> I'm hanging on to it <laughs> pretty hard. Okay, well, come in handy. Jonathan, tell us about Italian ices. Well, if you're Italian ices, you know, that's the one thing about Italy that everybody loves. The ice is different there. <laughs> uh, it is often flavored and colored. Everyone loves Italian ices. What we've done is we've created a game to honor this delicious frozen treat. I will describe a word, phrase, or title containing a word ending in I-C-E, and you will provide the word or phrase. But, you know, when in Rome, you have to say the word ending in I-C-E with a continental flair, pronouncing it Ice, as they would in Italy. So, Greg, would you give us an example, please? I'm happy to help. If I said this NBC comedy series chronicled the lives of Dunder Mifflin employees in Scranton, Pennsylvania... You would reply, the office. Bellissimo. Grazie, grazie. So the winner of this game will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here we go. Born and raised in New Orleans, this author chose the French Quarter as the setting for her novel, Interview with the Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> Sean. Anna Riche. Yes. Yeah. If your skin or eyes are yellow or orange, you might be suffering from this excess accumulation of bile pigments. Andrew. John Dice. John Dice, see. That is the uh, most disgusting flavor of Italian ice. <laughs> Although it sounds nicer. It's, it sounds it's, nicer it sounds when you nicer. say it in Italian, but then you order it and you're like, this tastes like bile. 
This 80s TV series suggested that Ray-Bans and pastel t-shirts under white suit jackets might be considered appropriate police attire. Andrew. Miami Beach. Si. I like how you're getting in character, Andrew. Right. Grazie. Yeah, you're right back in class. Three semesters are all coming together for you. All at once. It's great. This event, which occurs near the end of June in the Northern Hemisphere, marks the moment when the sun reaches its farthest point north of the equator. Andrew. The solstice. Si. <laughs> Difficult to pronounce. I have a little yes. bit of a stutter in Italian. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> Only in Italian, though. This agency, now the world's largest law office, was created by Congress in 1870, after the large number of private attorneys retained by the U.S. became too expensive. Andrew. Uh, the Justice Department? See, si. Or <laughs> in America, we say the Department of Justice. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> First produced in 1965 as an option for the Impala four-door hardtop, this car model is now only available from the GM fleet as a police patrol vehicle. Wow, they are law-abiding citizens. Yeah. They've never even seen a uh, police. <laughs> I think we can tell them that it's a Chevrolet. Sure, model. it's a Chevrolet ending in I-C-E. <laughs> Shall we throw it out there? Anybody know the answer? Caprice. Caprice, si. Caprice. <laughs> it's too late, Andrew. It's too late. Does that not count? All right, this is your last question. The wife of violinist Misha Elman claims that her husband coined this famous answer to the question, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Andrew. Practice. Si, oh, practice. Yes. Or you can just take the N to 57th Street. That's just, another way. <laughs> just call a car. Yeah, exactly. Just call, call a, a car serviche. <laughs> uh, uh. I apologize to everyone. Greg, how'd they do on that one? Well, you don't have to ask me tweeche. That would be Andrew. Congratulations, Andrew. We will see you again at our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Porte casune kunuste mareto Na cupolella cavisiera esata Passa scampagnano petuleto Come un guapo pete fa guarda tu vuoi fare l'americano, americano, americano Siete mechito papà Ti vuoi avere la moda Ma se bevi whisky and soda Poi ti senti disturbato Tu ballo rock and roll Tu gioca baseball Ma soldi peccamel Chi te li dà la borsetta di mamma Tu vuoi fare l'americano, americano, americano Ma si nato in Italy, sienta me, non c'è sta niente a fa, ok, na pulita, tu va fa l'America, tu va fa l'America. Jonathan Colton. So, uh, show off, Colton. Let's yeah. just talk about that song. So, what is that uh, song about? I have no idea. Uh, that, that, song, that song is about uh, making fun of uh, Italians who try to act like Americans. Oh, with the ordering the... Uh, Whiskey and soda. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they play the rock and roll, <laughs> and they play the baseball. The baseball. Yes, that's right. Very neat. Like Americans. Just like Americans. All right. 
Let's welcome our next two contestants, Kelly Garza and Chris Sunderick. Oh, they shook hands. I love it when they do that. Now, Kelly is visiting from Baltimore, and Chris is getting a PhD in biomedical engineering. Not that those two things are even. Obviously, living in Baltimore is harder. <laughs> but you both are captains of your own trivia teams in your yes. town. Yes, I know. Yes. This is heavy hitters we have here. So uh, I would like you to tell me what the name. I'm sure your team has a punny name. And also, uh, how well your team is doing. Kelly? Uh, Tequila Mockingbird is our team's name. Perfect. And, and we've been house champions for a very long time. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Undefeated. Chris? Uh, my team's name is Schindler's Fist. I can guess who's not on your team. <laughs> <laughs> this game is called The Wright Brothers, and that is R-I-G-H-T. The premise is pretty simple. It's a quiz about famous pairs or sets of brothers. So ring in when you know the answer, and the winner will move on to our Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. In 1812, this pair of brothers published Kinder und Hounsmarken, or Children's and Household Tales, their first collection of German folklore. Chris. The Brothers Grimm. Exactly. Well done. That is Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. Sorry, I didn't know the first names. Yeah, no, it's okay. Brothers Grimm is all we needed. Dimitri, Ivan, and Alexei are the titular siblings in what Dostoevsky novel? Kelly. The Brothers Karamazov. Exactly. <laughs> Started in 1844 as a dry goods store, what infamous financial firm got its name from the Bavarian brooders named Henry and Emanuel and Mayer? Yeah, I know. No, don't know. They declared bankruptcy in September of 2008. Kelly. Lehman Brothers? Yes, indeed. <laughs> It's been said of this pair of 19th century brothers that the elder was a psychologist who wrote like a novelist and the younger was a novelist who wrote like a psychologist in books like Portrait of a Lady. Kelly. James? Y yes. <laughs> that is certainly one part of the answer. I think we'll accept James. Yeah, we're going to Henry yes, James, absolutely. I know. That's so. right. We'll take it. William and Henry James. Well done. Widely considered two of the best tap dancers of all time. Brothers Fayard and Harold dance at Harlem's legendary Cotton Club under this name. Kelly. The Nicholas Brothers. Exactly! We were not sure anyone was going to get that, Kelly. This is just something that you know. This is part of your... Uh... No, fact knowledge. One of them was married to Dorothy Dandridge. Okay, you just know a lot of stuff. Sorry. I get it. All right. It's <laughs> great. You got it right, Chris. Did you know that answer? I did not. They tap danced really well. And now you know forever. <laughs> what director has cast his younger brother Clint in more than a dozen of his films, including hits like Parenthood, Cocoon, and Apollo 13? It's Ron Howard. Kelly says Ron Howard, and Kelly is correct. 
All right, this is your last question. I Got Rhythm is a fair description of what two brothers who collaborated on some of the biggest Broadway hits of the 20th century? Kelly? It's the Gershwins. Exactly. George and Ira Gershwin. Gershwin. (laughs) Thank you. They are shaking hands, but we go to Greg, our puzzle guru. How did that turn out? It's Kelly who's going to tap dance her way into the finals. Coming up, we'll get the dirt on our very important puzzler, Elizabeth Gilbert, and her new novel about a 19th century botanist, The Signature of All Things. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. I've got rhythm, I've got music, I've got my man who could ask for anything more, who could ask for anything more. Thanks for listening to Ask Me Another, and there are lots of other NPR podcasts you'd love like TED Radio Hour, hosted by Guy Raz. TED Radio Hour is a journey through fascinating ideas, astonishing inventions, fresh approaches to old problems, and new ways that they can create. Listen to it. It's fantastic. Find it now on iTunes under Podcasts. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and let's say hello to Jim Harvey and Matt Melchiori. So, Jim, you are a self-proclaimed know-it-all. Yes. And you helped build a school in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I would like to hear about this. Well, it wasn't exactly a school. We were were working with... (laughs) I can tell that... It was a hospital. We were... (laughs) You're right. That is not exactly a school. Uh, It was a mission trip. We were doing construction on a hospital uh, for children with with tuberculosis. That's amazing. And thank you. Um, But I love how you corrected me. It was like, no, 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 I didn't save puppies. We saved an entire continent of rescue dogs. (laughs) It's amazing. So thank you. Matt, you work in the New York Department of Education. I do. do. What do you do there? Um, I'm an educational administrator. I'm responsible for the operation of a group of 34 schools. All right. It's a big responsibility. And you were a principal and a teacher, so you are the perfect person to ask this question to. What is wrong with kids today? Absolutely nothing. Really? Really. They're going to be fine? Uh, Yeah. No, honestly, seriously. I I think that it it falls upon the older generation to find something wrong. It doesn't mean everyone's okay, but most kids are. Okay, you. It's like two of the most do-goodery contestants we have ever had. (laughs) All right, this game is called Literary Comic Strips. Because as kids, we all loved reading the Sunday funny papers, but the comics are so short. So we have taken popular newspaper cartoon strips and mashed their titles with some classic books to produce longer literary works of art. Okay, Puzzle Guru, Greg Pliska, we need an example. If we combined Gary Trudeau's comic strip about a bunch of baby boomers with D. Brown's historical account of the plight of Native American tribes, that would be... Doonesbury, my heart at wounded knee. Oh, obvious. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy. We could skip this. It's yeah. so easy. So don't panic. 
okay? Just talk it out. Every answer will be a mashup of a comic strip title and a famous book title. And sometimes the title of the comic strip will start the answer, sometimes it will be in the end. So ring in when you know the answer, and the winner of this round will move on to our final round at the end of the show. How do you feel? Nervous. Nervous, Matt? Same. Okay, good. See? <laughs> Nothing much. Just remember, it's just trivia, and a lot of people looking at you. <laughs> I'm just hoping that my thumb doesn't sweat so much that it slips off the buzzer. Those are specially designed for that, not oh. to worry. <laughs> Just use the, uh, use the special thumb towel that you have <laughs> there at your table. Our branded thumb towels? That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Ask me another thumb towel. I didn't bring one. <laughs> Here we go. In this adaptation of a W.P. Kinsella novel, which was made into a movie starring Kevin Costner, a fat orange cat is told, if you build it, he will come. Matt. Garfield of Dreams. Everyone loves this game, right? <laughs> How could you not? Call Me Ishmael on my two-way wrist radio is how the story begins. It's the tale of a lantern-jawed detective who will stop at nothing to track down the whale or the hideously deformed gangster that stole his leg. Matt. Moby Dick Tracy. Yes! I knew my thumb was too slippery. (laughs) Lots of time, Jim, not to worry. A precocious six-year-old boy, his imaginary tiger friend, and Bilbo Baggins discover a magic ring. Mischief ensues. Jim. Calvin and the Hobbit? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Feels good, right, Jim? Feels good. Yeah. (laughs) A lazy army private, whose eyes are always covered by his cap, sees his whole life change when he falls in love with the wealthy heiress, Daisy Buchanan. He spends the rest of his short life building a fortune to impress her and his commanding officer, Sergeant Snorkel. Jim. Beetle Bailey. Beetle... Bailey Gatsby that... All right, okay. Try, try it in another... The great Gatsby Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one more time, and you said it perfectly. Keep going, like, exactly what you said, just all the words. Let's do it. <laughs> the great Gatsby Beetle Bailey? Yes! Yes. <laughs> I don't get it. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> things with this game, okay? You don't it's get the great, it? the Great Gatsby Beetle Bailey. Bailey. Oh, if you merge them, so it. it's the Great Gatsby Beetle Bailey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah? I like that you're like, I don't get it. This game's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> In an odd casting choice, a pipe-smoking, spinach-swilling sailor man plays a thrice-married, twice-widowed black woman named Janie Crawford in this adaptation of Zora Neale Hurston's 1937 novel. You're going to put the comic strip in the middle of the title. Okay. Of course, if you don't know the title, that doesn't help at all. (laughs) 
And the title completes the quote, They seem to be staring at the dark, but... Oh, 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 um, um, um... That doesn't really help. It's no. not... Um, it's... Okay. He's strong to, to the finish because he eats his spinach. Yeah. Yeah. We got Popeye. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Just trying to help. Just trying to help. How about this? Maybe he loves the Lord more than spinach. And a part of his body is observing <laughs> all right, all right. the Lord. Yeah, it's, I think bail we out, could. Bail I think, out. Okay. No. Anyone out there? Their Popeyes were watching God. Everybody knew that. <laughs> Why are they never that obscure when I'm listening at home? <laughs> they are. This is your last clue, but I would just like to point out this is one of our toughest games, and you guys are doing incredible and showing off your pure genius. So we applaud you for that. And here's your last clue. When a European couple and their four sons get stranded on an uninhabited island in the East Indies, they run around the island drawing dotted lines and shirking responsibility for wrecking their ship. It was not me, they all claimed. Matt. The Swiss family Robinson Crusoe? Two novels. That's Two novels? <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Do you know what the strip might be? The comic strip? They can be mushed, right? So how about the Swiss Family Circle Robinson? Family Circus. Yes. Swiss Family Circus Robinson. You said we could talk it out. Yeah. That doesn't disqualify me. Okay. Just checking. Greg, how did our contestants do? Well, it was very, very close, but Matt edged that one out at the end. Well done, Matt. You're going to be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Are you one of those trivia lovers who hates to leave the house? We know you are. Never fear. You can now play with us from anywhere as long as you have access to a landline. So while you're searching through your contacts for home phone numbers, why don't you multitask and send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org and we'll bring the games to you. This game is called Job Search, and it's a musical game, but before we bring out the guitar, let's meet our next two contestants, Gretchen McLaughlin and Laura Howitt. All right, Gretchen, Laura, what is the best minimum wage job you have ever had in your life thus far? Laura? Oh, boy. Um... I know the worst one, but you want the best one. It was being a maid at a place in New Hampshire on the lake they filmed on Golden Pond. Oh. And you got room and board and minimum wage for three months in special New Hampshire. That's nice. Okay, but now I want to know the worst one because you, uh, that sounds being like Being a flunky on a $14 million capital campaign and being treated like a dog. Ah, Yes. I yeah. can see the difference. It's funny that the maid job was the better one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Gretchen, what's yours? I'm going to have to go with lifeguard. 
Lifeguard. Oh, right. That seems strange to me that that is a minimum wage job. That seems like a, a like high, big responsibility job. It is a lot of responsibility, but, yeah. you know. But no, no money in that. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> and frightening. Swim at your own risk. <laughs> Jonathan, what is the uh, best minimum wage job that you've had? The best, my best minimum wage job? Yeah. Uh, one time I was the house musician on a trivia show on NPR. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, listen, here's the thing. If you hate your job as much as I do, this game is for you. <laughs> Again, just kidding. Uh, we're here to help with some career suggestions. I'm going to play some songs with some kind of job in the title, but I'm going to replace each job with a perhaps less glamorous but more easily attainable career option. So contestants, ring in and give me the original occupation from the song. The winner will move on to the Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. You ready? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. You're going to love it. All around in my hometown They're trying to track me down they Say they want to bring me in guilty For the killing of a deputy I shot the lifeguard But I swear it was in self-defense Gretchen Uh, Sheriff Sheriff is correct (laughs) When you were a lifeguard, did you have deputies? I did, many You had many little deputies? (laughs) And they were like slightly smaller versions of you with like smaller bathing suits? They received no compensation (laughs) Even worse job (laughs) <laughs> Leather and jeans Garage glamorous Not sure what it means But this photo of us It don't have a price Ready for those Flashing lights Cause you know that baby I I'm your biggest fan I'll follow you until you love me Window, window washer Baby there's no other superstar You know that I be your window, window washer. Laura? Paparazzi. Indeed. Now, if I appear to be carefree, it's only to camouflage my sadness. Honey, to shield my pride, I try to cover this hurt with a show of gladness. Now there's some sad things on demand But ain't too much sadder than The tears of a telemarketer Gretchen Clown Clown is right By the way, my first job in New York was as a telemarketer You were a telemarketer? Yes, I was a telemarketer What were you telemarketing? Uh, Computer IT services Wow. Yep. And I created something, I think I created, it was called, I called it reverse telemarketing, where I would call someone and they would pick up the phone and I'd tell them to go screw themselves and hang up. (laughs) Every like a hundred calls, I just had to do that. That sounds like kind of a fun job. (laughs) It was really fun. There was a lot of crying. That song is accurate. Start an escort service for all the right reasons Set up shop at the top of Four Seasons Kid Rock 
I'm the real McCoy And I'm headed out west, sucker Because I want to be a barista, baby The top left back and the sunshine shining Barista, baby West Coast chilling with the Boone's wine Gretchen? Cowboy? Mm, That's much better, yes, cowboy What is starting an escort service for all the right reasons? I'm not sure what that means, but that, that is one of my favorite lines in all of rock music. It makes you, makes you feel good about that yeah, guy. Yeah. To jumpstart the economy? Like yeah. it's just helping out? That could be a good reason. You want to make a lot of money and you hate women? That could be a good reason to do it. Do you hate women? Do you love money? Well... Summertime, we didn't have shoes to wear. But in the wintertime, we all get a brand new pair. From a mail order catalog, money made from selling a hog. Daddy always managed to get the money somewhere. And I'm proud to be a process server's daughter. Gretchen. Cobbler? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Laura, do you want to take a swing at this I one? I want to hit my head because it's at the tip of my tongue. Um, mm, gosh darn it. <laughs> no. All right. Anybody out there know the answer? Coal miner. Coal miner's daughter. It's okay, Laura. It's okay. This just hurts. (laughs) That's trivia, man. (laughs) I was gambling in Havana. Took a little risk. Send dog walkers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this. Gretchen? Lawyers. Lawyers, yes. Okay, here we go. This is your last clue. Oh, I feel so real Lying there with no one near Only you And you can hear me When I say softly Slowly Closer, tiny plumber. <laughs> Count the headlights on the highway. Gretchen. Dancer. Dancer. You got it. She has magic fingers, people. <laughs> uh, Greg, what happened in this game? Gretchen is our winner. Congratulations, Gretchen. You are moving on to our final round coming at the end of the show. up, we'll see if our VIP author Elizabeth Gilbert can walk the walk when it comes to eating, praying, and loving. Ask me another style that is, so stay tuned.
Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and please welcome our very important puzzler, author Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Now, you live in New Jersey. I don't want to brag, but yes, I, I do. <laughs> but it, Which is where you would live if you could live anywhere. If you could live in the anywhere, that's but you grew up on a Christmas farm? I did. A Christmas tree farm. A Christmas tree farm. A Christmas farm. It's yes. just Christmas every day. <laughs> There's elves. We grow Christmas. <laughs> it's a happiness farm. Let's go harvest some Noel. Um, yes, I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. I'm an elf, I guess, in that regard. <laughs> now, uh, I and millions of people have read Eat, Pray, Love. And obviously... Um. A that block, old thing. Yeah, blockbuster <laughs> hit. Uh, becomes a uh, movie, for mm. feature film starring Julia Roberts. But I was interested to learn that this wasn't the first time something you wrote became a movie. Oh, you've done your homework. Yes. Yes. So the movie Coyote Ugly was based on an essay you wrote. Yes, that is correct. Okay, we have to hear about this. Um, well, since we're in a bar, I could just act it out. But I think it would be... Uh, um, I worked at the original Coyote Ugly bar uh, when I was a young, un, well, I guess I wasn't unemployed because I was a bartender, <laughs> but, um, but I was way. certainly unpublished. I was a young unpublished writer, and um, then later when I became a writer, I wrote an article about it for GQ, and then Disney read this article about this filthy, disgusting pit in the East Village where we used to set the bar on fire to get customers away from us and said, that's a great movie for kids. And they made the fantastic um, Coyote Ugly <laughs> movie, now legendary. Two movies under your belt. Now, you, this, you wrote that for GQ. Yes, I did. And uh, early in your career as a journalist and a writer, you were writing for a lot of these guy magazines, right? Yep. GQ, uh, Esquire. Spin. Spin. Um, yep, I wrote for and about men, which is why it's so ironic that now right. I am the uber chiclet author. <laughs> Suppo- supposedly you even dressed in drag for a week to live as a guy? I did. Um, when I worked for GQ, I spent a week living as a man, which was actually... I'm sorry to say, embarrassingly easy for me to do. It took about, they brought in a drag king um, as a consultant, and it took her about 10 minutes to make me into a very plausible dude. <laughs> a little, a little tiny goatee and short hair, and there, there's Luke right there. Uh, didn't, was didn't that your to, name, Luke? That was my name, yeah. Luke. Um, and, and I also got a, um, I don't know, can I say this on radio? A condom full of bird seed to wear in my pants to just make it. Um, it was, uh, oh, you want to, just want to feel real, yeah. you know, um, you want to feel real. And what, what did you, you just walked around? I just tried to do like the guyest stuff that I could think, I went and tried to join the Air Force um, in the, uh, in Times Square, um, and I remember, the, 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 the takeaway from that is the Air Force recruiter saying, you want to punch holes in the sky, Luke? And I was like, yeah, I want to punch <laughs> holes in the sky. I went to Shea Stadium, and I um, used the men's room. Yeah. Terrifying. There was a sort of moment like in the movie Witness where the little boy is peering through the crack and sees everything, and there was this little kid kind of looking at me through a crack, and I was like, if you tell anyone <laughs> what you have seen... You didn't just go, I'm a writer. I will come to your house and dress your mother like this. Um, no, this um, I was like, what is this thing, being a man? Um, and the conclusion? 
I wasn't into it. Yeah, yeah, right, good. I wasn't into it. <laughs> I was, uh, I was happy to take those ace bandages off and get rid of the uh, bird seed and move Feed on. Feed the birds and move on. Play with the birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, eat, pray, love. Huge female readership. A lot of guys read it too, but I know that. I mean, it changed women's lives. A lot of, and a lot, yeah. I think that must have been a lot of responsibility for you to bear, that you're writing a memoir about your life, about some things that you decided to do, some choices you make, yeah. and all of a sudden you were like a self-help guru for these people that are using it as an instruction manual. Um, well, I try to tell them, first of all, I thank them. I'm yeah. very glad that they're all using it as an instruction manual um, in, in, in one regard, but I also do try to make clear to them you know, this doesn't mean that everybody has to get divorced and move to India. Um, but but right. if you want to, you go ahead and, and do it. But I, um, I mean, in all seriousness, the thing that I do try to convey is don't, don't do what I did, but ask what I asked. Uh, and now you return to writing a novel. You've written novels before. This book, The Signature of All Things, this is set in the 19th century. Yeah. And we follow this woman, Alma, who is a botanist. Yes, birth to death uh, story of a very passionate Toweringly intellectual 19th century woman of of science, and it's written in a language that really evokes the 19th century. How was, did that come natural to you? I mean, it's, I it's, told you about my upbringing, right? <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I was essentially You're raised right. in the oh. 19th century, um, and uh, but but I, but I did grow up reading. I, I'm I'm a 21st century writer, but I'm a 19th century reader. Um, but mostly that I didn't get the language of my novel mostly from that. I got it from reading a lot of 19th century letters because that's where you can hear people's speaking voices. Oh, yeah. So you dove um, in. You did like a huge amount of research. Three years of research, yeah, on, 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 on botany and evolution and missionaries and abolition and um, 19th century erotica. That was really fun to oh, research. Oh, yeah. So, um, right, because you have some st- yeah, steamy a little steam. sex. So it's a little yeah, sizzle heat. So, yeah, where did, you, where did you go to read that? Or who do you um, check how that it's works? It's funny. A lot of it... Um, <laughs> Yeah. It was steamy. I got to say, Where do you check steamy. how that works is such a great question. Um, you, you go to, a lot of it was really interestingly disguised in the 19th century as medical journals. So it would sort of be in the voice of a learned doctor um, talking about somebody's pathologies and then it would just get really detailed and then it would get really sweaty. And then you're like, this isn't a doctor. Um, and... So I got to read a lot of that, which was great. <laughs> Dr. Feelgood. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I would like to see a degree, <laughs> mister, if you are a mister. Um, well, I think it's a, uh, it's a fantastic book, and I think Oprah should start a moss club uh, to further support <laughs> what you're doing. Elizabeth Gilbert, would you like to play a little Ask Me Another Challenge with us? Would I? Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert, everybody. So, Elizabeth, we wanted to find you a worthy opponent, and I think we did very well. Please welcome Gabrielle Hamilton. Now, Gabrielle has her own memoir, Blood, Bones, and Butter. So we knew she was no stranger to the game of love, and she knows her way around the kitchen because she has an amazing restaurant in New York called Prune. This is a game called Eat, Pray, Love. What we're going to do is name a few things, and all you have to do is tell us, is it a food that you eat, a deity that you would pray to, or a famous person or fictional character that you would love, at least if you were that person's lover? (laughs) 
Jonathan Colton and I are going to be alternating questions between you two, so there's no need to buzz in. You just tell us, eat, pray, or love. <laughs> so we'll start with you, Gabrielle. Cressida. Would you like to know how that's spelled? <laughs> it's C-R-E-S-S-I-D-A. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to pray and love. <laughs> um, but can I pray? <laughs> you can pray, but you might want to pray for an and, answer yeah. because it's not that one. <laughs> that, that is love. All right, Liz. Bon me. What, one more time? Bon me. B-A-N-H-M-I. B-A-N-A. I think that's eat. It is. That's right. It's your classic Vietnamese baguette situation. This is for you, Gabrielle. Onigiri. Onigiri. There we go. This is, I'm going to pronounce everything in nine ways. You choose which one you think is right. <laughs> Onigiri. Yeah, you're going to eat that. Yes, you are <laughs> going to eat that. Liz Gilbert, mini haha. Oh, mini mini haha is a, a goddess, right? Pray, or is she a girlfriend? Lake Depends Minnehaha on who you ask, in, I suppose. Is it Minnesota? Isn't it? Is it a person? Is a girlfriend? It's love. Let's You're just go saying with love. everything you I'm can just think say, of. Do you eat it? Um, I'm going to go with love. Love is correct. That's mm. the lover of Hiawatha. The lover of Hiawatha. Pele. You pray to it. Yes! <laughs> Not a soccer player, but a Polynesian god of volcanoes. Liz Hathor. Hathor? Hathor. H-A-T-H-O-R. Pray. Yeah, very good. Egyptian goddess of beer. Who knew? And fertility. Ah, uh, <laughs> yep, makes sense. Same thing, really. Yeah, kind of... <laughs> Gabrielle, injura. I nailed the pronunciation of that, by the way. <laughs> you eat that. Yes, you do. Spongy bread. Exactly. Yeah. That's spongy bread. Whoa. Liz, Mumtaz Mahal. Mumtaz Mahal? Mu- sorry, Mumtaz Mahal. M U M T A Z, new word, M A H A L. Pray. No. I'm sorry. What? Uh, the wife for whom Shah Jihan built Taj Mahal. Oh. It was Mumtaz Mahal. Is that why her name rhymes with it? I guess. <laughs> Who knows how they do things? I don't know. <laughs> if only you'd been to India. If only I'd been to India. <laughs> that was a good one. Ooh, I actually was in Indiana in that section <laughs> of the book, and now we all know. <laughs> Busted. This is your last set of clues. Fabulinus. <laughs> That's the name. Fabulinus. Gabrielle, what is that? Eat, pray, or love? I'm going to pray to that. Yes, exactly. You're going to pray to that. God of musical theater. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A god in the popular religion of ancient Rome. There you go. Uh, Fabulinus teaches children to speak and gets an offering when the child says its first words. So there you go. It's kind of like a tooth fairy, but more expensive. <laughs> How, Carl? Can you spell it? 
Mm. <laughs> I mean, could you spell it if you weren't looking at it? <laughs> if it uh, there's an H, and then there's an A with a diacritical mark above it. <laughs> and then a K, and then an A, and then an R, and then an L. I, I'm going to pray to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry, that's eat. That's something you would want to eat. It is fermented shark meat from Iceland. Anthony Bourdain said it is terrible. So maybe you don't want to eat it after all. It sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, it does sound awful. So eat is sort of like in brackets around that one. Technically, it may be eaten. Greg? Uh, The word for the end of this is blood bones better. Gabrielle, you are our winner. Well done. And this is how it works. Elizabeth, you, and Gabrielle are both going to receive official Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> and we thank you so much for playing with Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Thank, thank, you. thank, you. thank, you, thank you, Elizabeth you. Gilbert. I can cook a little, but it's not a lot to shout about. It's kind of mean cuisine. So I eat out. Hey, the Nomi, the Greek, and the chicken, the Italian, the Indian, too. They all say, here comes that sad American man again. What are we going to do? Well, you can put me in the table in the corner in the back unless you got one in the telephone booth. I'm here and I'm alone again. It's sad, but it's the truth. No, I'm not expecting anyone. Is that beyond belief? Give me a take. Take away the candle, never mind the aperitif I can cook a little, but it's not a lot to shout about It's kind of mean cuisine So I eat out Jonathan Colton Now we're going to bring back all of our prior winners to crown this week's grand champion. So let's welcome back Andrew Kavanaugh from Italian Ices. From the Wright Brothers, Kelly Garza. From Job Search, Gretchen McLaughlin. And from Literary Comic Strips, Matt Melchiori. Our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska, is going to crown a winner and take us out. All right. This final round is called Voweling Off. Each answer is going to be a word or proper noun that contains three vowels in a row. For instance, if I said it's the only U.S. state that was once its own kingdom, you would say Hawaii, which is spelled with three vowels in a row, A-I-I at the end. Now, we play this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give us an answer, And the last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. All right, remember, every answer contains at least three vowels in a row. Here we go. Andrew, it's a traditional Hawaiian party or feast. Luau. Correct. (laughs) Kelly, it's how an Italian says goodbye. Arrivederci or ciao. Ciao Ciao. is correct. Yes, thank you, Kelly. Gretchen, it's how a Frenchman says goodbye or farewell, though it literally means to God. Adieu. Correct. Matt, this Today Show host has been seen almost every weekday since he joined the program in 1996. Matt Lauer. Very good, yes. Andrew, 
It's a game bird that sounds like the last name of George H.W. Bush's vice president. Turkey. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Now, Kelly, do you know the answer to that one? No, I'm sorry. Kelly, Gretchen. Quail. Quail is correct. Andrew and Kelly, thank you so much for playing. And we have two people left, Matt and Gretchen. All right, Matt. In addition to being an adventure hero, Indiana Jones was a professor of this. Archaeology. Correct. Gretchen, it's the largest city in Kentucky and the home to the Kentucky Derby. Have a guess? No? All right, Matt, do you know this answer? Louisville. That is correct. Thank you, Gretchen. Matt, you are asking me another big winner. Congratulations. And your prize, Elizabeth Gilbert, will give you not only a signed copy of a signature of all things, but you also get 15 cubic inches of moss. There's nowhere but up to go. I know. You can put that in your home or office somewhere in the school. Thanks very much. You're welcome. It's Congratulations. Been a pleasure. Thank you. And that's our show. Thank you for listening. If you would like to be a contestant on our show, find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. And you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Greg Pliska. Hey, my name anagrams to Sparkle Gig. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Mark Halpin, Greg Lightman, Josiah Madigan, Brock Mahan, Dan Schofield, and Mary Tobler. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Josh Rogeson, Jonas Santi, and Eleanor Kagan, along with Portia Robertson-Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Paul Ruess, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, The Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm Herite Begonias, Ophira Eisenberg, and this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on NPR's Ask Me Another, our VIP Bon Appetit's editor-in-chief, Adam Rappaport, weighs in on one of his pet peeves, Yelp reviews. I went to this place for my anniversary, and it was just like, made service. I was like, dude, what do you talk? Get a life. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for a culinary journey on NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and tasty trivia. Hey, you're still listening. You are the best. Thank you so much for listening to Ask Me Another. And there are a lot of other very cool NPR podcasts you'd love, like TED Radio Hour, hosted by Guy Raz. TED Radio Hour is a journey through fascinating ideas, astonishing inventions, fresh approaches to old problems, and new ways to think and create. Listen to it. It's fantastic. Find it now on iTunes under Podcasts.